Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, you know there's that bit in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, I think, where Jesus is teaching about belief in him and being one with the Father and some other stuff. And some of his followers begin to grumble and say, this teaching is too hard. Who can accept it? And quite a lot of them leave. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, well, I suppose you want to leave me too. But Simon Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Okay, so that's how I feel this morning when I hear Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Plain. Caught between the the difficulty, maybe even the sheer impossibility of them, and the knowledge that they're true. I think that our Gospel reading has about 16 sermons in it. It will preach and preach and preach and preach. For a lifetime it will preach. Because they're all about learning to love like God loves us. For a lifetime, I will be learning to love like Jesus. So look, I won't preach 16 sermons. I'm going to focus on this one idea from our reading this morning. Expecting nothing in return. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Doesn't sound like much if you read it quickly, and yet, It captures a whole world in just a few words. Expecting nothing in return. That's what I keep hearing, and that's what I keep struggling with, too. Because I think it's just an incredible thing to say. And I also think that it's the heart, the nub, the center, the very essence of God's love and how God acts in this world. But let me back up a bit. If that's how God loves, expecting nothing in return, it stands to reason that in the, in the grand sweep of Scripture, the record of God's relationship with us, that we, we ought to see this kind of love evidenced everywhere. For instance, if we look at the story of Joseph, Joseph of the coat of many colors, maybe we'll find that there too. Let me remind you about Joseph, just in case you haven't heard the story for a while. Joseph was one of Jacob's 12 sons. Jacob, you remember, was a patriarch of Israel. Now Jacob, Joseph's father, loved him more than any of the others. He spoiled him rotten and gave him a many-colored cloak. Now, not surprisingly, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. And let's just say he didn't help himself either. And so they got fed up with him and they sold him into slavery, which was a terrible and a cruel thing to do. It almost erased his existence. He was taken to Egypt, and eventually, because he was clever, he became steward to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. 
Potiphar's wife tried unsuccessfully to seduce him, and after false accusations were leveled at Joseph, he was imprisoned. But due to his uncanny ability to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, he was released and eventually made the governor of Egypt. He wisely rationed the country's produce in preparation for a time of famine. And during the famine, two years in, Jacob's 11 other sons came to Egypt to plead with Joseph, not realizing who he was for supplies. They were starving. And we pick up the story right at that moment. You see, they didn't recognize him, but after he was satisfied that they were reformed, he identified himself to them in great joy. And Joseph invited his father and his brothers to come and settle in Egypt. Now, this story could also come under the heading, expecting nothing in return. Joseph literally, in the middle of a famine, offered salvation to his family, even though they tried to wipe out his existence. And because of this, What's interesting is that Joseph is often seen as the Old Testament equivalent or prefiguration or an intimation of Christ, expecting nothing in return. Well, I think we can see that in Joseph's story, that God's love shines through what could have been a dreadful reunion with Joseph, seeking revenge. And by the lights of this world, that could have been and expected and maybe even accepted outcome. But it's not how it played out. There's a whiff of holiness in Joseph's actions. So maybe you remember last week when Paul gets into it with the Corinthian church about resurrection. I mean, I guess some were questioning the resurrection. Well, you do, don't you? I mean, we can't explain it. I don't understand it. It doesn't work by the standards of this world. We can only engage with it by faith and by an acknowledgement that it is a holy mystery. That's what St. Paul is, is trying to say. After declaring that he wouldn't continue to lead the dangerous and costly life of an apostle of Jesus if there wasn't resurrection, Paul begins to describe what the resurrected body will be like. Some might have assumed resurrection meant a reanimated corpse, or they might have wondered how a corrupted body could exist in a heavenly realm. Instead, Paul described our current bodies as the seed that will die to make way for a far better body built to exist in eternity. That body will be as different from our current bodies as a man is from the moon. Though again, it's hard to comprehend when Christ returns. Both the dead in Christ and those who still live will be transformed in an instant into these new and glorified heavenly bodies that will never die. Death will be swallowed up in victory, never to hurt anyone again. So that's Paul's answers to the questions the Corinthians were asking. But I think we might want to ask, why? Why all this? Those are good questions too. And again, we have the answer as illogical as it may seem in human terms. Why a crucifixion? Why a resurrection? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's it. That's just what God is like. Expecting nothing in return 
but loving all. You're seeing a pattern by now, I'm sure. It exists all through the Bible, in every part of it. God's MO is to love, expecting nothing in return. And then we come to St. Luke's Sermon on the Plain. And we've been hearing a lot about blessings and woes in the last couple of weeks, stuff you should do and stuff you shouldn't do. And now it seems that here we're being given some more rules to live by. Maybe. Or is this just the same pattern as we've seen from Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible and Revelation? That this is who God is. God loves expecting nothing in return. And that perhaps what Jesus is saying is come and see. Come and see a life where loving like this is the pattern. I'm really interested in the last few sentences of his teaching because Jesus says to them, I say to you who listen. And I'm wondering if those who listen is code for those who have noticed the rhythms of grace in God's actions, who've seen the patterns in the stories of our forebears that tell about how God has shown up in their lives, in their communities, and changed them through love. How God loves and loves and loves, expecting nothing in return. Those who've noticed all that, Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Well, good thing, too, because that describes a lot of us a lot of the time. But here's the thing. It's the next bit that's really hard these days. This is where God, who loves expecting nothing in return, is just really hard to live with. Jesus continues, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Now, I don't mind telling you that I struggled with this a bit this week. It's very tempting to judge and condemn right at the minute. Our world, our culture, our country, our province seems a very hard place to be these days. Large countries intimidating and threatening the sovereignty and safety of smaller countries just because they can. Pandemic, 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 the scandal of vaccine inequity, and then our country struggling to understand itself in protest and in judgment of protest. The condemnatory nature of so much social media, it almost doesn't matter anymore whether it's deserved or not. There's just so much fear and distrust around. And those things, well, they seem to be winning at the moment. And all the while we grapple with these new challenges, the old ones delight in the distraction that pulls the focus away from them and allows them to operate with renewed strength in the dark. Modern slavery or, or human trafficking, for instance, is one of those evils that grows in this climate. That's why today, Freedom Sunday, is a day set aside by the church, the church universal, to do, to very much shine the light on and to pray and to work to end this scourge in our society. We join with other Christians in doing this to raise awareness of the cruelty of slavery and to bring the cleansing light of the gospel to cauterize the evil of human trafficking. 
It is self-evident that to take away the life and the future of another person is a sin. To enslave them, to fulfill someone else's needs instead of seeking God's will for their own flourishing is a terrible thing. This is the very opposite of doing to others what you would have them do to you. But we know that standing with our, our traffic siblings and trying to end this terrible practice is an act of love, of involving ourselves in justice-making for God's sake. This is literally gospel ministry. But let me just say here that I'm still stuck because I'm grappling with those on the other side of all those equations of wrongdoing, on, on the negative side, in the big things, the systemic and the evil, and in the smaller things too. I'm struggling because each and every one of those commandments is frankly beyond me when I consider the evil that abounds. They're impossible by myself. Like Jesus' followers in John's Gospel, if I depend on me, pretty soon I'm going to be walking away disappointed in the divine rule giver who asks impossible things of me and in myself because I can't come up to the mark. I don't have what it takes to love my enemies in and of myself. It is only possible, only possible, if I have the help, the guidance, and the fortitude that the Holy Spirit pours into me, and the help and the guidance and understanding of my Christian siblings and community in the church. And then, and only then, can I do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, collectively, we beat back fear with the gospel by remembering that we've been called to a different way of living. As one scholar says, Jesus isn't offering a set of simple rules by which to get by or to get ahead in this world, but is inviting us into a whole other world, a world that's not about measuring and counting and weighing and competing and judging and paying back and hating and all the rest, but instead is about love. Love for those who have loved us. Love for those who haven't. Love even for those who have hated us. And each time in the power of the Holy Spirit we forgive each other, we are interrupting the cause and effects laws of this world. I mean the laws that say that love deserves love, hate deserves hate, deeds both good and bad should be repaid in kind, force must be returned, with force, violence begets violence, and so on, and so on, and so on. And yet when we forgive, we interrupt this endless cycle and create something new. You know, love itself, when you think about it, makes no sense in this kind of mechanistic view of the universe. Because love defined most simply is Seeking the good of another above your own. Love isn't a means to an end. It's an end unto itself, which in turn creates morality and justice and, and all of the rest of the things that we strive for yet fail to find if we attempt it on our own. But in Christ, it is a good measure 
pressed down, shaken together, running over. For the measure we give will be the measure we get back. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.